Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from May 10th by Pastor Randy titled, Sometimes You Win Some, Sometimes You Lose Some. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, winning today. And I want to start off by asking you, how many of you, you like to win? You want to win at everything. You make a competition out of everything just so you can win things. How many of you are like that? And on the other hand, how many of you are afraid to try new things because you're afraid you're going to lose? You don't like competition at all. Well, i got good news and bad news for both of you, no matter which side of the spectrum you may be on. And, and that comes from this truth. And this truth is this. Winning does matter most in the areas that matter most. Now, winning, if you try to win in areas that don't matter, Solomon calls that just chasing after the wind. But winning matters most in the areas that matters most. And, and if you're going to win in the areas that matter matters most, that means, first of all, you have to identify the win. What's the win? What's the win in your finances? What's the win in your relationships? What's the win in your marriage? What's the win in your relationship with God? What's the win in your parenting? Because here's the thing. You will parent toward your goal. You will parent toward what you think the win is. And so it's so important to know what the win is. If you don't know what the win is, it's like shooting a gun and going to find out where the bullet went, drawing a circle around it and saying, yeah, I hit my target. Winning, in, winning matters most in the areas that it matters most. So you have to identify the win. And if you never identify the win, you'll wind up maybe heading off in this direction, but your win is over here. If you don't identify the win, you may have already reached your goal. But you don't know it, so you keep running, you keep going after, you exhaust yourself, and, and you've already meant to go. It was way back there, you already passed the minute, but you don't realize it. If you don't know what the win is, if you can't identify the win, then you will adopt the win of the people around you. In other words, you'll date the way the people around you date. You'll do marriage the way the people around you do marriage. You'll do your relationship with God the way other people around you do their relationship with God. Or if you don't win, you wind up just blaming and comparing for the rest of your life. And so it's so important to identify the win. And we're going to start off reading a few scriptures about Paul. And I want you to focus in on, on how he identifies the win and what his win is. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I become as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, I become under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So, Paul identifies his win. Very clearly he identifies it. He says his win is to win people. That's his win. And he will do whatever it takes to reach that goal. Whatever it takes for him in his life, in his ministry, whatever it takes for him to, to conform or to not conform or whatever it takes to win people to Christ, he's willing to do. That's his win. But that's not what we're focusing on this morning. We're not focusing on Paul's win. What we're going to focus on this morning is what does it take to win? Because in the next verse, Paul begins this whole section telling us what does it take to be able to win. And so let's read on in verse 24. 
He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Sure, we all know that. In athletic competition, you know who your competition is if you're running like if you're track and field or something like that because your competition is right there beside you. You know exactly who your competition is, and you know exactly how you're doing. You know if you're a little bit behind or a little bit ahead. You know exactly what's going on. If you're playing football, uh, your competition is on the side of the line of scrimmage, and either you're pushing them back or they're pushing you back. Either you're making a few yards in a first down, maybe touchdown, or they're keeping you from scoring. You know exactly who your competition is, but in the areas that really matter, in relationships, in marriage, in your relationship with God, there's no crowd, there's no scoreboard, there's no clock, and as a result, there is no sense of urgency. And that's key, because that's what Paul turns in this whole argument on. Because when you're in a race, you know how you're doing, and so you can run faster, you can speed up, but you don't know how that is in, in, in other areas of life, so there's no sense of urgency. So this is what he says in, in the next part of this in, in uh, verse 24. He says, run in such a way that you may win the prize. In other words, live your life with a sense of urgency that you would if you were in a competition. That's what he's saying when he says that I might win some. He, he says there's going to be, be all these things so that I might win some. You get, a, you get a feel of a sense of urgency. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. This is my goal. This is my win. So I'm using all my effort to, to go in that direction. And then he says this in, in the next verse. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Sure they do because they want to win. Because they know if they want to win, there has to be sacrifice. There has to be some focus. See, if you want to win in anything significant, it's going to cost you something else. It will cost you something. If you want to win at anything that's worth winning, there will be a cost tied to it. We know this when it comes to Olympic athletes. If you want to be in the Olympics and compete, it's going to cost you something. It may cost you being able to eat Oreos. It may cost you... Lazy Saturdays. It may cost you sleep. It's going to cost you something. And those athletes who win the gold medals, those who are the best in the world, we could probably make the argument that those are the ones who have lost the most. Those are the ones who have been willing to give up the most and have lost the most because of it. Uh, think, think of it this way. How many sports professionals have rings? They have championships. And it costs them maybe their wives or their kids. So you have to be willing to lose something in order to gain something else. You have to be able sometimes to lose sweets in order to gain health. You have to be willing sometimes to lose an argument in order to gain a relationship. Some people, when they get married and they have kids, one of the spouses may choose to quit their job and stay home with the kids. They choose to lose an income, an extra income, in order to gain time with the kids. See, it's so important that you understand that, that this is what's going on. If you want to win in areas that matter most, you have to be willing to lose in other areas. Now, we don't like that. You know, that doesn't sound real appealing, what I have to lose, but that's the principle that we see in Scripture. We're going to be looking at some verses that will show us this. So let's begin in, in Matthew 16, verse 21 and 22. 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. So what Jesus says is, I'm headed to Jerusalem. It's going to wind up in a big lose. Peter, he's not ready to accept that. So this doesn't sit well with him. So he feels the need to confront Jesus over this. And says, no, Jesus, we didn't sign up to lose. We signed up for the, to win. In fact, that's why most people were following Jesus. They followed Jesus because when they looked at Jesus, they saw a winner. You know, he can beat disease. He can beat hunger. He can beat demons. He can beat death. He can certainly beat those Romans. So that's why many people followed Jesus, what Peter's expressing here, because they wanted to win. And Jesus said, no, no, there has to come a big lose. And so here's what we read next in, uh, in verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. See, they didn't realize it, but for them to be able to win, Jesus had to lose. It had to be a total loss, and it would wind up in a measurable game for the world. So Jesus is trying to get across to them that there has to be some losing before there can be winning. He's trying to get this principle across them that we just don't want to accept. It's hard for us to accept, but we need to accept this too. That if you want to win in certain areas of life, in the areas that matter most, there has to be some losing involved. So what Jesus does next, he gathers the disciples all around them, and he, he starts with this little sermon, this little Bible study with them. Here's what he says, the next verse, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, what we need to understand is that, and this is going to sound weird, but following Jesus is for losers. Nothing's emphasized more in the New Testament than this. And we don't like that. That doesn't set well with us. In our culture, we don't want to be about losing. We don't want to lose military conflicts. We don't want to lose at economics. We don't want to lose at Olympics or any other icks. We don't want to lose at anything. In fact, when we hear the phrase, well, winning isn't everything, we think that's just something losers came up with. I mean, we have... Owners of sports teams and managers, sports managers, they'll spend millions of dollars hiring an athlete of questionable character because they think he'll give them the best chance of winning, and winning is more important than that character of that athlete. We'll see political parties, they will put up a candidate that may not even have their values and may even have questionable character too, but they think that's their best chance of winning. We even come up with the phrase win-win because we don't like to lose. Uh, even little kids... And the games they play now, the sports that they play, when it comes to little kids, they don't keep score anymore because they don't want any losers. Everybody gets a trophy. I mean, that, that's the way it is. And Jesus was always up front, though, that in order to win, you have to lose. It's going to cost you. He puts it in terms like this. You know, carry your cross. Be willing to give up your life. And he would... Whenever people would come around him, he would let them know this. 
I mean, he wasn't shy about it. He would just turn to them and let them know, you're going to have to be willing to lose. And because of that, a lot of people just quit following. There was one time when Jesus was approached by a winner. And this guy was the winner's winner. He was young. He was rich. He was moral. He's the type of guy you hope your daughter comes back home from college with and says, here's a man I'm dating. That, that, he was just that type of guy. He had affluence. He had influence. He had it all. But he didn't have the assurance of his standing before God. And so what does he do? He comes to Jesus and says, and I didn't know I have eternal life. I didn't know I'm winning here. I'm winning everything else. How do I win here? And Jesus says, well, are you keeping the Ten Commandments? He goes, yep, check, win. Jesus says, oh, not so fast. Here's what Jesus says. This is in Matthew chapter 19. He says, uh, let me get the right verse. Uh, Jesus said to him, verse 21, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me now this isn't about the poor that's not the issue at all the issue is idolatry see he has made his money his security that's what he's hoping in he's violating the first commandments you shall not have any other gods before me money is his God and Jesus knowing his heart he realizes this so what does he do? He puts his finger on that and says, you want to win? When it comes to your relationship with me, you have to be willing to lose. You have to be willing to give up. But he wasn't. He wasn't. This is what we read in the next verse 22. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. See, we want a religion that allows us to have our treasure, our fun, our talent, our gifts, our toys, and everything else, and God too. Listen, that's not the Christian life. I hope that I can be clear about that as Jesus was. Jesus had never offered a no-cost discipleship. And Satan would do his best to get you to focus on all these other things. And, and all these other things in life so that you will lose your focus on how big of a win Jesus is. So that you won't say, oh, if I want Jesus, there's some things I have to give up. No, he wants to keep your focus on how great all these other things, things are in life. And there are a lot of people. People who call themselves Christians, and that's where their focus is. It's on all this other stuff. And, and they never see the win that Jesus is. Now, just to give you another example of how Jesus talked about this so often. In Matthew 13, 44, we read, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Why? Because he wanted treasure that much. See what the rich young ruler considered a burden? This guy, he, he sees it as a bargain. Of course I'll give up everything. Why? I'll get Jesus. And that's what Satan wants to do, to keep your eyes focused on everything else, or everything else in your life, so that you won't say, man, I don't want anything to keep me away from Jesus. I will give it all up if I have to so that I can have Jesus. This, in fact, this is what, uh, after Jesus talked to that rich young ruler, and they see Jesus reject him, and Jesus tells him, you have to give it up all and follow me. He's not willing to do so. He walks away. Jesus watches him walk away. He doesn't say, well, wait a minute. Let me come back. We can, we can negotiate here. No, Jesus watches him walk away. And disciples see this, and they're wondering, well, what about us? And so here's what Jesus says next to them. Then Peter answered and said to him, Behold, we left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, 
that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. See, once that rich young ruler heard sell, that's all he heard. He didn't hear, you'll get me. You'll get life with me. You'll get to walk beside me. He didn't hear all that. There are some people who say, I wish I had a close relationship with God. Well, you can. But that may cost you some things. If you want to spend more time in prayer, more time in His Word so you can know Him better, that may cost you some time on Netflix or doing something else in life. There may be a cost. So you can give up. You can give up what you need to give up. Or let me put it this way. You can gain what you want to gain if you're willing to lose what you need to lose. You can gain what you want to gain if you're willing to give up what you need to give up. Uh, the story of Millard Fuller and his wife Linda. Uh, Millard became a millionaire by the time he was in his 20s, late 20s. Gave his wife everything that she wanted. Yet he came home from work one day and found a note that his wife had left him. He tracks her down to a hotel in, in New York City. And they just stay up and they're talking. And she explains how all this stuff in society, all the stuff that society has told her that that's important that she has. She said it, it's left her cold and lifeless and feeling dead inside. She just wants to live again. And so they decide that they're going to sell all their stuff and spend the rest of their life helping poor people. They get down on their knees together and they make that commitment to God. And the next day is Sunday and they're so excited about their commitment. They want to go to church, worship God, thank God for who he is and this new commitment that they made in life. And so they go to church. It's the Baptist church in New York City. They get there and they tell the pastor kind of what's going on in their plans. He says, no, wait, you don't have to give up anything. You don't need to be so rash. And here's what, here's what he says uh, to the minister. The minister told us it was not necessary to give up everything. He just didn't understand. We weren't giving up money and the things that money could buy. We were giving up. You see, they were choosing to lose. And they started an organization that you've heard of called Habitat for Humanity. But they, they, they had their eyes focused on something else. Saul, or Paul, as we know him, before he became a Christian. Listen to his story. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Circumcised the eighth day. Well, check. That's a win. Of the nation of Israel. There's another win. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Another win. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Another win. As the law of Pharisee. Another win. As the zeal of persecuted of the church. Another win. As to righteousness, which is in the law. Another win. Found blameless. Another win. But then he says this. But whatever these things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. See, he changed how he defined the win. His win was about none of those religious things. His win was all about Christ. And it's so sad that many people will never experience the presence of God because they don't see Jesus for the win that he is. But that's the world that we live in. And that's what we need to to understand what it takes to win. Let's go back to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and let's finish up where we started. Uh, for back to verse 25. 
and everyone who competes in the games, exercise, self-control, and all things, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. They did this to receive this little leaf wreath. It was a laurel wreath uh, type of thing. You heard the phrase, resting on your laurels? That's where it comes from. They did all this to receive something that's going to just wilt up in a couple days. What should be our attitude? What should be our sense of urgency about things that are eternal? That's what he's saying. So because of what's at stake, he says this in the next verse, verse 26. Therefore, because all this is at stake, what's eternal is at stake. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I boss in such a way as not beating the air. In other words, I'm not aimless. It's not without aim. It's easy in our culture to do things aimlessly. It's so easy to do that. But he says, no, that's not me at all. In fact, he goes on to say, but I buffet my body. This is verse 27. But I buffet my body and make it my slave. So, so he tells us what he's going to do. He's going to discipline himself. Now why? Lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul doesn't want to lose the win, what comes with the win. And so he is in a place where he's willing to do anything it takes with a sense of urgency because he realizes what a great win it is. Now, here's the thing. If you believe that there's more to this life than just this life, you don't need to be living life aimlessly. You need to identify what's the most important areas and what's the win in those areas. That's the type of Christian that changed the entire world in the first couple of centuries. Christians who knew what the wind was and they approached it with a sense of urgency. That's what changed the world in the early centuries. So, if you're single and you want to win at dating, that means you can't date the way everybody else dates. You have to walk in purity. If you're married, you want to win in marriage, that means you can't do your marriage the way everybody else around here does marriage. You have to learn how to love your spouse. If you want a close relationship with God, you can't do your relationship with God the way everybody else does in our society. You have to be fully surrendered to Him. Are you willing to do what it takes to win in the areas that matter most? Uh, there's a TV show on uh, several years back called Everybody Loves Raymond. Ray Romano was, was a star of it. And uh, he decided that he was done with the show. He's ready to end the show. It wasn't because the ratings were bad or salaries bad. NBC would have paid him good money to continue doing his show. But he explained that the taping of his last show, he turned to the studio audience and he explained why he was leaving the show. He said that 15 years earlier, he had come to Hollywood. And as he was leaving, he hugged his brother goodbye and his brother put a note inside a suitcase. And when he got to L.A., he opened up a suitcase and he took out the note and here's what it said. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And he said this, I felt blessed to gain the whole world, but now I need to work on my soul. And maybe that's where you find yourself, because in our current status in this day and age, with the virus that has given us a perfect time to reevaluate our lives and what matters most. Because so many things have been cut out of people's lives. You know, family and other relationships and, and sometimes this work. You know, all the other possible gods that could compete with, with the God. All those have been shattered in a lot of people's lives. So now is the perfect time to reevaluate what the win is. 
What is the when and how do you get there? So I want to ask you these five questions. Number one, what are the areas that matter most that you want to win in? What are the areas that matter most that you want to win in? Winning does matter most in the areas that matter most, so you identify what are the areas that matter most that you want to win in. Secondly, what will you choose to lose in order to win? Because if you want to win, you have to give up something. That's just life. God has just sort of set that in life. Just like gravity is here, and that's just part of the, the laws of nature. This is the law of winning. You have to be willing to lose something. What are you willing to give up? And third, what are you missing because you won't go all in for Jesus? What are you missing because you will not go all in for Jesus? What's empty in your life? We like the rich young ruler who says, man, I, I got everything else. I just don't feel like I'm winning my relationship with God. What's that area of life that you feel like it's just not the way it should be because you won't go all in for Jesus? Next one, are you so obsessed with Jesus that the word sell doesn't scare you? Do you hear the word sell? And you're saying, like the parable that Jesus told, to get Jesus, I'll give anything. Are you so obsessed with Jesus that the word sell doesn't scare you? Now, if that does scare you, you need to reevaluate who Jesus is. And then last, have you ever come to Jesus on his terms, completely surrendered? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been that guy who found a treasure in the field and for joy over it sells everything in order to buy it? Have you come to Jesus saying, it's all yours. It's all your everything. My life, everything is yours. Maybe today you need to get down on your knees and confess you've been trying to win in the wrong areas. You've been trying to win in areas that don't really matter. Solomon calls that chasing after the wind. Maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe you need to reevaluate those goals in life, those wins in life, so that you can ultimately gain Christ. Maybe in the area of, of parenting, maybe in the area of finances. But maybe you need to evaluate what's, what's to win in those areas. What do you need to give up to get there? Maybe you've never surrendered to God and become a Christian. Maybe this is a time where you have to say, okay, I'm ready to give up. I've been afraid to lose, so I've been trying to follow Christ and hold on to these other things in my life. Now I'm ready to give it all up for Christ. And you never made that decision, and now you're ready to make it. Or you could be one of those Christians, you think you've made that decision before, but things have gotten in the way, and now it's time you need to recommit your life to Christ. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. Don't let Satan blind you to the win that Christ is. When you have him in the center of your life, when, you, when he is the one that you're obsessed over, when he is the one that you want to see glorified, that changes everything. And you'll look back and you go, I used to think that was important. Paul would look back and say, all that stuff I gave up, I look back at now. It's like rubbish. It's nothing compared to Christ. That's how much Christ had come to mean to him. And I hope that's how much Christ means to you. Let's pray. Father, it's so important that we understand who you are and how great that you are and how you're worthy of all our glory, all our praise, everything that we have. May we look at other things in our life that has been wanting to, to be the center of our lives and instead be willing to put those aside, to count them as rubbish, to gain you. Father, may this be us. May we be yours completely. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.